You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. This is our sermon series, Sacred Habits. How practicing the way of Jesus helps you to flourish spiritually and stay grounded emotionally. Good morning, Sojourn Midtown. Peace be with y'all. What a joy it is to be uh, with you and uh, pray that your day is going well. If you are a first time guest, my name is Jamal. I'm one of the pastors here and we are so thankful that you are here with us. We pray that a song will be sung or words spoken that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to kind of dive right into today's text. We'll be uh, Picking up with our series on sacred habits, Uh, last week it was announced that we were ending the series, and we were, and we really tried to, Um, but there was two more habits that I thought that uh, we needed to uh, address before going into our next series. I praise God for our pastors who have fed us so well so far in this series. Uh, I uh, was really encouraged uh, last week as well, um, listening to Pastor Josh's sermon on uh, the Sabbath, and I hope uh, that that habit is something that you're considering and that you're implementing as well. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive into today's habit. Lord, I pray that you would speak for your servants are listening. Even now, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name we do pray. And the church said, Amen. I don't have the best memory, um, especially of my childhood. There's just whole sections that seem to be missing. But one thing I remember pretty clearly is a period of 40 days in which my father chose to fast. Yes, for 40 days. It has deeply impacted me and it deeply shaped me. He was in a season of his life where he felt that the call was the Lord was calling him to go uh, deeper uh, with him. And he just humbly served our family in amidst a, a 40-day fast, uh, not eating anything and only drinking water. I have these vivid memories of him standing over the stove, cooking food, and me watching to see if he was going to cheat and eat, only to see him preparing the meal, handing off the food, and continuing in deep prayer. He reminded me of the psalmist in Psalm 27 who wrote, my heart says this about you, seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Are you experiencing spiritual dryness? Perhaps a lack of focus? Are you entering into a new season in your life? Are you having a hard time putting the kingdom of God first? Are you struggling with forgiveness, bitterness, a lack of self-control? Then the sermon may be for you, and this discipline is something that I want you to consider as a member of Sojourn. I want you to, to consider fasting. And there's a lot of good definitions about fasting. You'll see some uh, probably pop up on the screen. Uh, John Piper has one of my favorite where he talks about whole body hungering for God. 
Scott McKnight says that fasting is the natural inevitable response of a person to a grievous sacred moment in life. Soma Church Indy um, has a great definition of fasting. One of my friends, they just went on a, through a series of, in fasting, and he uh, came up with this definition of it's simply just not eating food for a period of time in order to feast on God's presence. At the end of the day, fasting at its most basic level is the voluntary abstinence, abstinence from food. It's uh, doing so for spiritual purposes. Fasting is for the spiritual needy, not the spiritually elite. And even as you're listening to this sermon today, uh, you may be thinking to yourself, because you have medical issues or other reasons why you cannot fast from food, that this sermon is not for you and that you should just kind of check out. I want to encourage you not to do so. Because even though fasting uh, technically is fasting from food, uh, for an extended period of time or missing a, a meal or two. Um, I think that even if you can't fast from food, that you can discipline yourself in other areas, and, and which are good areas, good things, um, and not partake in them for spiritual benefit. Um, and notice I said good things. You don't fast from sin, right? You just stop sinning, right? I'm on a fast. I'm not sinning. No, just stop sinning, right? (laughs) Look to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and stop it. (laughs) Uh, Fasting is you voluntarily giving giving up unnecessary or good things for the purpose of discipline. And so today we want to look at this sacred habit of fasting, and we want to go through a simple outline. We want to look at Jesus and fasting, um, why we fast and the purpose of fasting, I want to look at how does it work, the nuts and bolts of fasting. And then I want to close by painting a vision um, for Midtown of fasting here at the church. If you look at the uh, text that was read, and if you consider the context of it, we know that it lands in what is called the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's most uh, popular sermon, powerful sermon about what life in the kingdom of God looks like. And he preaches this sermon to uh, new disciples, and he's reorienting their hearts uh, to the things of God. In chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus starts off by saying, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And this is a driving point of Jesus's sermon. Jesus is uh, teaching on the mount against this performative religion, this religion that is practiced to be seen by others, to be viewed as pious. And he's calling his people to a greater righteousness, a greater righteousness. In chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And sometimes when we hear that, it's kind of discombobulating because it seems to be maybe against all that we believe as, as Christians, knowing that salvation is by faith, Uh, as a result of God's grace. And we say, well, here he's calling us to be perfect. I think a a better translation for the word perfect here is the word whole. Jesus is calling those who are disciples of his to be whole, to pursue God with wholeheartedness. Um, In essence, to worship God with their heart as well as with their hands. He's closing the gap between what the hypocrites would do. And the hypocrites that Jesus is after here in the Sermon on the Mount 
um, is the, the Pharisees and the scribes. We see in verse 20 of chapter 5. He's going at this external religion that is done to impress others while having one's heart far away from God. So he's encouraging them to pursue a greater righteousness, a righteousness that seeks to pursue God's heart from a place of humility and not a place of of pride. And so Jesus in this text is going to give us three disciplines that's important. The first in verses one through four is the discipline of almsgiving or giving to the poor. The second is going to be the discipline of prayer, verses five through eight. And then he's going to teach on the Lord's Prayer, or what we come to call the Lord's Prayer. And then he's going to talk about fasting in verse 16 through 18. And his point is, don't be like the hypocrites who give, pray, and fast to be seen and applauded by others, but rather do all of your sacred habits in secret to be seen by God. Now, Jesus is not saying that you should never pray publicly. Obviously, he modeled that prayer by often praying publicly. And he's not uh, saying that we, all, we can never uh, give publicly or, or ever let people know that we are fasting publicly. What he is discouraging us is from this performance-based religion that is looking for congratulations by others. That's what Dallas Willard calls the discipline of secrecy. It's placing our reputations in God's hand. It's learning to turn off our public relations department. And so as we look at fasting, we want to remember that uh, all of these disciplines are to be, be done in God's sight and not in the sight of man to be congratulated by them. And so let's look at this first movement, which is Jesus in fasting. Jesus in fasting. We read in the text that Jesus says when you fast or whenever you fast. And so fasting, like giving and like prayer, we can assume is something that Jesus expected his disciples uh, to do. This was a a habit uh, that he encouraged as well as he modeled for his disciples. Jesus begins his public ministry by fasting himself. For 40 days and for 40 nights, he goes into the wilderness and he doesn't eat. And there he is tempted by Satan. And what is he doing as he's fasting? He is sharpening his affections towards God, preparing his heart for ministry. He is modeling for us that he is uh, the new and better Moses. Moses fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. So would Jesus. He is the new and better Adam, where Adam fell into temptation because of the serpent's uh, uh, temptation. Jesus would not fail. He would rely wholly on the word of God, reminding Satan and future disciples that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. As Jesus is preaching the sermon, even about in this portion about fasting, he knows that those who are in the audience most likely fast every Monday and Thursday, as was the practice um, for those who were, were Jewish. And Jesus doesn't condemn this practice, but he also doesn't command it. 
The only place in the Old Testament where fasting was commandment was on the Day of Atonement. But no other place in the Old Testament are people commanded to do so. In Matthew chapter 9, the disciples of John the Baptist, they come to Jesus. They notice that Jesus on Mondays and Thursdays is often off, can be found on Barstown Road having some Shiraz. And so they ask him a question. They say, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not? Then in verse 15, Jesus responds by saying, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So Jesus, while uh, present um, with his disciples, he did not fast. And some people say, see, if Jesus didn't fast, then early, uh, then we as Christians shouldn't fast. But the point that Jesus is making is, is that as sure as you wouldn't grieve at a wedding, you don't fast when the Messiah is present. And so Jesus is saying that I am the bridegroom. The Messiah has come. I am present. And now is not the time for my disciples to fast It's time to celebrate. The early church followed Jesus's model. We read throughout the scripture in Acts chapter 13, we read about the church of Antioch. And there in verse three, we read that. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. We read the same thing in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 27, the early church fasting because it was a discipline that they saw as necessary. Even as we read the early uh, uh, church uh, 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 documents, we learned that early Christians um, in the first and second century often fasted. Their days were Wednesday and Thursday after conversion and, and during preparation for baptism at Easter. And they will often follow the church uh, calendar and the rhythms of the calendar that included both fasting, Lent, and feasting, patterned after the Old Testament rhythms. Now, they didn't fast on Sabbath, and they didn't fast on Sunday. Sabbath represented uh, creation, and uh, that Sunday uh, represented the resurrection of Jesus. So they didn't fast on those days, but they saw it as beneficial. One author talks about how important fasting is by making note that in the scriptures, um, it is referenced, fasting is referenced around 77 or 78 times, 77 or 78 times, while baptism is only referenced 75 times. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that fasting is more important than baptism. Baptism is an important ordinance of the church where one goes public with their faith, identifying with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if it is mentioned over 75 times, surely it is a habit that we can benefit from. Fasting helps to sharpen our affections towards God. It helps us to have this whole body experience where we remind ourselves that our deepest needs are met in Jesus. That he is absolutely necessary, that man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of his mouth. So what are some reasons for fasting? Why should we fast? What are the purposes of fasting? In modern society, fasting is seen primarily as a means of dieting, right? Uh, It's a big fad now, intermittent fasting. And I had a great 
joke prepared for you about intermittent fasting, but my community group slapped it down and told me it was not good. <laughs> but I still got laughs, CG. <laughs> right? Uh, and in general, that type of fasting is all about a diet. It's about mostly reasons for health. But that's not what, what Christian fasting is mostly about. It's not about losing weight. It's not about hitting some, gar- uh, some, some uh, goal on the scale. Also, we see in modern times that uh, fasting is often an act of protest. We see that it's used as a threat of self-destruction to put pressure on higher authorities in order to attain rights. Saw this with Gandhi in India who was fighting for rights against the British rule or Dick Gregory who was fighting for um, rights against the violation of civil uh, and civil rights of Native Americans. Now, when the Bible talks about fasting, it gives us a number of reasons and examples of why people fast. This list is modified from Don Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, a a good book with a a good section on fasting. But here's some of the reasons for fasting. Oftentimes in the scripture, we see that fasting takes place for to strengthen prayer, or people will couple fasting um, with prayer to just in, intensify that. And we talked about a little bit of that in Antioch. People also fast to seek God's guidance, right? To express grief. Think of Hannah, Second Samuel, and in 1 Samuel, um, we see examples of people grieving, so they fast. To seek deliverance or protection to express repentance and returning to God. Think about Jonah and how he preached the shortest sermon that led to revival and how the people of Nineveh turned to God with fasting and repentance and penitence. We see that fasting was done to humble oneself before God. Psalm 35, 13, the psalmist write, I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer was genuine. That is humility. Humility is staying human-sized. It's lowering oneself under the mighty hand of God. Others fast to express concern for the work of God. Nehemiah chapter 1, 3 through 4 was so burdened for uh, the people of God and their place that he fasted. Ministering to the needs of others. Isaiah 58 is a great passage as God is rebuking um, Israel. Um, for not fasting wholeheartedly, for just doing it as a performative uh, religious measure. And while they were doing it, they were neglecting the needs of the poor. Fasting is a way of identifying with the poor. It's a way of reminding ourselves that there are people even in this city uh, on a ninth uh, street divide who historically who have been disenfranchised and who have marginalized and who live in a food desert. Fasting is a way to identify with them and to discipline our bodies to stay in tune with people who are hurting and in need. Isaiah 58 and 6, Isaiah writes, isn't this the fast that I choose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke? If you're lacking spiritual power and if you want to see God at work in your city, maybe the discipline of fasting 
is an invitation for you today. See, that Jesus fasted to dedicate his ministry uh, to the Lord. We see that the prophetess Anna fasted in Luke chapter 2, verse 37. It says that, there, that she was a, a widow for 84 years and she did not leave the temple serving God night and day, fasting and praying. So fasting is a discipline that we see throughout the scripture that Jesus, is, Jesus encourages. So those are some good reasons to fast, but there also are some bad reasons to fast. As I said before, fasting shouldn't be done as a, a primary means of, of losing weight. And in fact, if you struggle with body image things, I'm going to in, in, encourage you to, to not fast or to get medical help before fasting and to do so in community if you choose to fast where there's accountability. And you can be reminded that uh, your identity is in Christ. Your worth is found in him, not in, in your external appearance. Another bad reason to fast is to prove something to someone or maybe to yourself that you can, you can do it, to gain favor from God, or to punish yourself in order to pay for your sins. Christians, we don't fast to punish ourselves, to pay for sin. Jesus paid for your sin on the cross, past, present, and future. You don't fast to gain favor with God. You have all the favor um, that you could ever have in Christ Jesus. You have every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And Jesus died upon the cross. He died for your sins. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin had left the crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Saved by grace through faith. Not of works, least any man can boast. We don't fast to pay for our sins. We don't fast out of obligation or command. We fast because we believe that fasting leads to feasting on Jesus. That it leads to spiritual attunement, personal discipline. And when you're fasting, it's more than likely not going to feel like you are living in the midst of a miracle. In fact, it's probably going to feel the opposite way. It's probably going to be met with, with, with doubts and, and fear and irritability <laughs> because you're denying your body something that is necessary for something that is more necessary. That's why John Piper calls it whole body fasting. Richard Foster makes a great point. He writes, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus. We cover up what's inside of us with food and other things. Amen. You may not be like me, but I can be an emotional eater. And when I am sad or frustrated or upset, man, I can just start lusting after food or overeat. 
and find food as my refuge. Fasting is a great discipline that reminds us that any other refuge other than Jesus is insufficient. It will not last. It will disappoint. My wife and I, was over a month ago, we were, vis- we were coming back from a long trip, uh, traveling and driving in the car. And my kids were being kids in a, on a long road trip. And we got home and I was just like twitching, right? And at the time I was on a diet, I wasn't fasting. <laughs> but all I could think about was a big, juicy double cheeseburger. And that's what I did. I ran and I went and got my favorite cheeseburger in the city. And it was not good. It was the first time it wasn't good. It just put too much mustard on it. And the Lord reminded me what you needed to do was to calm down, (laughs) spend some time with me, and reorient, not stuff your body with something that will only satisfy you temporarily. Oftentimes when life cranks up, we look for things to, to replace God, these little gods. And maybe it's not food for you. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's a person Maybe it's just completely isolating. Maybe it's the praise of other people. Maybe it's shopping. All of those are counterfeit gods, and fasting has a way to remind us of what's most important. So what's some tips for fasting? How do you fast? Well, here's some quick tips. One, I want to encourage you to be wise. Despite the list of possible health benefits that are associated with fasting, fasting, it may not be for everyone, And some of you just should not fast. If you have diabetes or low blood sugar, fasting can lead to spikes and crashes in your blood sugar levels, and it can be very dangerous. As I said before, if you're a teenager and you struggle with uh, body issues or adult and you struggle with body issues, uh, fasting may not be for you. If you've never fasted before, it's best for you to talk to a doctor first to make sure that there's not underlying health conditions. And you may want to Take some time to plan out your fast to to really uh, make sure that you understand what's happening. If you've never fasted before, you can expect some discomfort. You can expect some headaches. Like I said, some some withdrawal as you are putting aside caffeine and sugars. And somebody's like, you had me until you said caffeine. (laughs) If you're planning on weaning yourself off caffeine for that season. But not only should you be wise, but you want to start small. Maybe you start with just skipping a meal. Maybe you do that for, for once a week for a while. Or two meals, or going six to six, sun up to sundown, before tackling a, a longer period of fasting. I also want to encourage you to set clear goals. Be specific. Why are you fasting? Are you fasting for spirit because you find yourself spiritually dry? Are you fasting because you're seeking the Lord for healing? Are you fasting because you're grieving, because there's family issues that you want to place at the feet of Jesus, financial difficulties for your church? Whatever you you do, do it in step with the Spirit, seeking um, His guidance. There's all kind of fasts, right? You have what's called the Daniel fast that some people do that's become popular where you just fast from sweets and meats where you're eating, but you're eating very specific things. Um, You can uh, research and look up uh, types of fast that you want to do. And as I said before, if you're not fasting from food and you can't fast from food, um, what about stopping or disciplining yourself for a season from television or social media? 
things that you go to to just burn time because you're uncomfortable or because you're addicted. While fasting, you want to remind yourself that this is a spiritual feast. Start your fast with an intentional time of prayer. Start your time adoring God, confessing your sin. Start your time in thanksgiving and supplication. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you for the task before. I like, uh, as I begin to fast, just to get a piece of paper and just to write myself clear and just a journal to see what's in there, to discover how I'm doing spiritually and, and what's bothering me and, and what are my, my deepest needs. Though you are fasting from food, this is a time for you to spiritually feast on God. John Piper in his excellent book on a hunger for God, he talks about um, as you are filling those, those pains of hunger, take those pains to prayer and, and pray during that time. Pray for others, pray for yourself, but use those pains and turn them Godward. Part of fasting is, is too, is, is ending your fast well. Don't do what I did a, a few weeks ago as I'm trying to myself, acclimate myself with fasting. And my wife and I did a, a shorter but more intense fast and came off my fast and just gorged myself and then committed the sin of gluttony. Ease yourself off so that you're not sick and that you don't defeat the whole purpose for which you were going. Matthew chapter 6, notice what Jesus says, verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. There's something that happens when we practice these habits and these spiritual disciplines in private. There's a way that God is forming us and shaping us spiritually and weaning us off from the praise of man and reminding us, as my friend John Stark says, that we live in the welcoming presence of a, father, of a loving father constantly and that we are his beloved. Practicing spiritual habits and secrecy, it shapes us, it builds character, it reminds us that even when we don't feel seen, we are seen, that we matter to God. And notice who Jesus calls hypocrites in Matthew chapter 6, right? The play actors are those who are religious, but who don't practice from a, a heart that is Godward focused. And while all of us have hypocrisy in us and that temptation and we fall into it, fasting helps to remind us to wholeheartedly pursue God from the inside out and not from the outside in. And this is a supernatural work. And fasting is a, a discipline that invites us into the supernatural. And some of us, we have a hard time with fasting. And even as I'm preaching, we're telling ourselves why we can't or we're doing all these objections because 
Our spiritual life is all cognitive and it has very little heart. But fasting moves you very quickly to just cogn- from cognition to heart to hands. As your body reminds you of your need. Man, it was 2017, 2007. The Lord was doing something deep in my soul. It was a, a personal revival, and it was messy. I couldn't explain it. I often found myself on the floor weeping. My sin was just evident before me, but so was God's grace, and I just didn't know what to do. And my father's example came back to mind and how when he was seeking the Lord and, and how he disciplined his body. And so I went on a, a very long fast, have not done it since. So this is not about me being especially spiritual. <laughs> Fasting is for the spiritually needy, not the spiritually elite. It's for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who find themselves in a place of mourning. So when Jesus opened the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you who hunger and thirst, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. I found myself there, y'all, desperate. Everything I was reading off the Bible was jumping off the page, and that is not the norm. So I went on an extended fast. Amber was in college. I went and visited her and didn't tell her that I was fasting. I was before the Lord. She saw me. She thought I was sick. She teased me today about that. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I actually feel better than I've ever felt before, (laughs) just before the Lord. And at the end of that fast, I got a phone call that changed the trajectory of my life. The whole time, I'm like, Lord, I don't know specifically why you're calling me to this, but I know that you're calling me to it. I got a call from the church that I was the youth pastor at, and they asked me to step in and be interim pastor. And eventually, the Lord broke my heart for this church and for this community. I accepted the call of a pastor. That's not what I had wanted to do right out of after seminary. The day the fast ended. And so I say that to say there's, there's a supernatural element to fasting that, yes, it disciplines our body. It attunes us to the things of God. It helps us actually to focus on his kingdom if we pursue it with humility and in the spirit. But the Lord may be working in ways that you don't even see or know or understand to years later. Perhaps what was most uh, powerful about my father's fast was that the humility in which he did it, it was very non-performative. I think that's what shaped me the most. I remember family members asking him, um, about him losing weight and what was happening, and he rarely spoke up. And when he did, it was to those who was closest to him, and, and he just let them know, hey, I'm really before the Lord right now, fasting, because I feel God calling me to something deeper. And I think that that's what Jesus is inviting us all to. A vision for Sojourn Midtown is that we will be a church that practices these sacred habits, not out of a need to perform, not out of a, a deficiency um, and, and, and trying to prove something to ourselves or to others, but because we want to see our city reach for Jesus. 
There are so many issues. There are so many people hurting. There are people around us that we we know and we talk to daily that if they were to die today, they would spend eternity without God. And I want to be a part of a a church whose heart is is nearer to to the central glory of God. It it is set on the person and work of Jesus Christ, who believes that God wants to renew and revive a people and that he is able to save many people in the city from darkness and turn them to light. And I believe that fasting is a discipline that helps us to do that. I was so humbled. Recently, as three uh, young women in our church were burdened for Midtown in December, and they went on a, a fast together, and they met here in a dark sanctuary together, and they prayed regularly. Jess Gardner, Alex uh, Garris, and, and, and Taryn Blocker. And they simply wanted someone to open up the sanctuary so that they can pray together. And they had a list of things that they were praying for, for Midtown. And I don't know about you, but that's the type of people and person I want to be. Who is not cruising their way into heaven, but who's crashing into heaven, seeking to meet Jesus, saying, what a, what a ride who is facing their doubt and their insecurity by reminding themselves of the love that Jesus had for them, a love that took them to the Via Della Rosa, a love that took them to Golgotha's Hill, a love that took them to cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Lord, I, and, and I thirst. And who was met with a sponge in the heat of the day while nailed to a cross with sour wine in it. And who sipped from that sponge without mumbling or complaining because he knew that he was redeeming a people whom God had chosen from the foundation of the world to be his bride. Let's discipline ourselves unto godliness, reminding ourselves that this is not our home, that trouble will not last always. one day we'll see his face. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.